Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And my name is Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Carrie Robinson. I'm the Children's and Youth Minister at St. Andrews by the Sea in Pacific Beach. And we are so excited that Carrie is here with us today. Seriously, a treasured friend and colleague, Carrie is to both David and I, and we have been lobbying very hard and very long to get her to be a podcast mm-hmm. guest. Thank you for having yes. me. Yes. It only took $5,000. <laughs> Incredibly. <laughs> and both of us on our Way. knees begging. Right. <laughs> I didn't um, know you were allowed to lie on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I try to edit all the lies out, okay. but sometimes I get through. <laughs> okay. Um, so we are here uh, f- to talk about the gospel from the fourth Sunday of Lent, which means um, in the week we are leading, we, when you listen to it, we're halfway through Lent which is uh, exciting and terrifying um, because things are moving so fast. Um, we are going to be back in the Gospel of John today, which we're very excited about, with another extremely long 42 verses. No, 41 verses from John. But before we get into that, we want to hear from Carrie more about where you are and what your week's been like. So, what would you explain to everybody what your ministry context is in the Diocese of San Diego? So my title is Children's and Youth Minister, and it really encompasses that I get to have a lot of fun working with kids and families mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways, um, which goes from coordinating Sunday school, leading the youth group, going on mission trips, getting to do fun things with the diocese, and even um, teaching chapel for our preschool kids. Cool. And you have a bomb rector at St. Andrews. <laughs> I happen to like her a lot. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, so our other question is always, where did you see God this last week? Either in church or not at church or anywhere, anywhere in the world. So I've had a really interesting past two months of my life where I have gone through a lot of physical um, ill health and suffering and um the good thing that came from that. Um, There were a lot of lessons I learned, but one thing was that um, with my mom's group that I lead, um, when we met yesterday, I was able to share a lot of what I was going through and my struggles. And I felt that God really worked in that in allowing it to be a space that was safe for other people to also open up and be vulnerable about where they're also struggling. Mm -hmm. And it was really beautiful to see mm-hmm. that happen. That's awesome. That's so cool. Mops, right? Yes, that's our Mops group. Mops group. Mothers of preschoolers. You heard about it. Oh, I've heard about it. I have an almost preschooler. Close enough. Don't rush. It I'm goes not, so fast. I'm not rushing. Uh, all right. Well, thank you again, Carrie, for being here. We're so excited. We are pumped to get into this gospel for this week. Uh, but first, we want to make sure you know that we want to hear from you. Whoever you are, wherever you find yourself, please email us. Uh, any of your questions, uh, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion, we'd also love to hear about any of your spiritual practices that you're doing in Lent. Um, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, www.myfaith2go.org, where you can also find all of those faith to go resources now, a week earlier than they used to be out. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can uh, uh, contact us, uh, direct message through Instagram at faith to go You can also follow us and check out all the content we post on Instagram. So we're going to get into this gospel for this week. Charlotte is going to read it, and then in a few hours uh, we'll discuss it. <laughs> the gospel for the fourth Sunday of Lent is John 9, 1 through 41. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. He must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is not Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him about how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that he now sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, though, is that I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciples, 
but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you are trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when, they, when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Wow. Good job. That was really good. That was really good. <laughs> that was one take. One take, Charlotte. <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Lots happening. I mean, the, there's a lot that there's a lot of interaction, but it's all one story, which is cool. It's not a whole bunch of Jesus jumping around a bunch of different places. It's like all these. I love this story because it's like one, a thing happens, and then John describes like all the things that happen because of that one thing. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, so just for the sake of context. We're we've moved pretty far into John's gospel since the last the last last week was uh, the woman at the well in Samaria. That was in chapter four. This is in chapter nine. So a lot has happened with Jesus and his disciples. They've been moving around. Um, there was a fee, a feeding miracle that happened between then and now, and a bunch of other teachings and things. So we're kind of in the middle of John's gospel here. And the other thing to keep in mind as we go through this is that we also have a kind of a current context that we can read that we need to keep in mind, which is the fact that we're in a specific liturgical season of Lent when these readings are coming up. So just keep, think about that. Think about the themes of Lent of kind of like, you know, penitence and repentance and uh, self-awareness, but also like coming, coming into contact and engaging with our own suffering or the suffering around us, you know, that these are the themes and the kind of milieu of this season and that these are in these readings are coming up in the lectionary for a reason. They're mm-hmm. supposed to play on those themes. So how if we read it through kind of the lens of Lent, how does this, you know, strike us? So um Carrie has the first point for today. All right. Let's get it. Well I really like the way that you did bring in Lent and the connection to um to suffering in that way. Um for me personally I went through the season of suffering, and I think because of that, when I read this passage, the thing that stood out the most to me was Jesus's compassion. Um, He healed a lot of people throughout the course of his ministry, um, whether it was 
the blindness or other physical ailments. Um, desperate people sought him out for healing. And even though he had a limited time to do his ministry on earth, he didn't ignore the suffering of people who came to him and, um, and spent the time to heal them. And um, I think a lot of times we imagine that God is very busy and doesn't have time to be bothered with our trivial complaints. So to see these examples of Jesus caring about their physical healing and not just saying, you know, this isn't what's important. What's important is your salvation. So <laughs> ignore your suffering right now, yeah. that there's more, there's more important things. He showed compassion to them, mm-hmm. and, and through their faith, they were healed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when I'm praying, and I've heard from other people that often in, in their prayer practice that they feel like some of their um, complaints or worries are too small, mm-hmm. and they don't want to bother God with them. And so this is a reminder to me that God sees our suffering. He mm-hmm. sees what's going on in our lives, mm-hmm. and, um, and He cares about all of it. Mm-hmm. So that was really comforting to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people right now are worried about getting sick yeah. or are sick. And so it's comforting to remember that God sees that and he mm-hmm. does care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I love how how Jesus, like you're saying, we think Jesus' main concern is these like big cosmic things. Somehow we've been told that Jesus' only concern is this like universal salvation thing. But Jesus seems, in practicality, seems so very concerned with particular people, individual people's wellness. And not just spiritual wellness, like lived, now embodied wellness, you know. And that Jesus doesn't just like walk around saying all these esoteric things for the sake of whatever this thing called salvation is. He like shows it and embodies it. And that's like another side of the incarnation that I love that Jesus is there physically, like in the grittiness of suffering with people and unwilling to look away and, and extremely um, powerfully engaging with people, you know? And yes. And I think that it's really easy to overlook the fact that we are also called to that through Jesus's ministry, right? That we are called to be engaging and connecting and value each human being and honor their suffering and sit and listen, even when, you know, it may seem like something trivial that they don't need to worry about. That is a care, a concern that's on their heart and that we're called to be Christ to each other in those instances too. Mm -hmm. I think as human beings, we can relate to each other's pain. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the beauty of Jesus coming as a human being, because we know that he experienced the things that we did. And so that's another layer of that compassion Mm -hmm. that he, he was really in our, our shoes and he experienced Mm -hmm. the same sorts of things that we're going through. Yeah. And that is, that is pretty much my point for this gospel. Um, that, that way you just said is a perfect segue because I, I love this very, First, the way this whole thing kicks off is that this this blind man is just kind of walking by, right? And the disciples, in a in a genuine moment of wanting to be taught, you know, because they Jesus is their rabbi, you know, they he's their teacher. They're they're learning from him now. For they've been learning for a while, for nine chapters, and uh, 
and they're wrestling with this the same question that we wrestle with all the time you know this mystery of suffering why why is there suffering why does this thing happen to me why does this thing happen to this person how can God allow this kind of stuff? How does God cause these things? Does God just turn a blind eye to these things? And this is their question: Who sinned? Like, what? What is? Who can we? Where, where can we locate the cause of this suffering for this person? <laughs> um, I love Jesus's answer because he doesn't dis, he doesn't dismiss their answer, but he says neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. And so Jesus is saying, it's not that God causes suffering or allows suffering to happen, but that suffering happens, that like the world happens, things happen in the world, and God responds to those things. And the way that God reveals God's self is in our human suffering. That like that is the epitome of revelation. And then to me, the whole story is an example of how that is true, right? Because then it causes all this conversation between the blind man and the Pharisees and the people watching and the parents. And everyone is trying to figure out, again, why this is happening, like how this is happening. And it brings up all these questions like, can a sinner do this thing? Mm -hmm. Can this thing happen on the Sabbath? How could you be, how could you be the same guy that was blind, like these things are impossible. And what John's what the author of John's gospel keeps highlighting is people saying, especially the blind man, saying, I don't know how, but this is true. <laughs> like yes. this thing happened. So now we need now we need to like reframe like that's a paradigm shift, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like it's like how can we so if 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 this is an example for us, how can we trust other people's experiences of God and of healing? and of suffering in order to reframe how we think about God. Not trying to fit their suffering and experience of God into a box like the Pharisees are trying to do, mm -hmm. but to let their experience of the divine blow up our box and make it bigger. So, such a cool story. So many interactions and like such a, like, a tangled web of like people trying to figure out what the heck is going on, and I love it. Well, and it's funny because while you were talking, I was like, it's biblical reality TV, <laughs> right? Like it's this lens of what happens and then all the different people that it touches and how they all react to it. Right. Um, and we don't always get that varied experience of a story. Like we hear the story through like the three people that are in it. And this one has a much broader reach and people that are participating in it. So it's really interesting in that. And David, my point actually kind of comes out of something that you just mentioned in part of yours, which was their constant questioning, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the questions that kept coming up over and over again. And as I read it, I was like, are we stubborn? Are we unwilling to believe? Like, where are we in all of this? And I finally came to the conclusion that it was less about being stubborn and more of, no, that can't be right, right? <laughs> like, it was like, tell me again, yeah. that can't be right, yeah. right? Because when we hear it the first time, we hear Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. <laughs> okay, we hear that. Then... They go to the man and they say, okay, what happened? And he said, he put it, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, now I see, 
mm-hmm. right? Like the story's consistent, the message is clear, he's repeating himself over and over again. Um, and finally, at the end of it, we get this, I don't know how it happened, but it happened, yeah. right? People, like this is, the mud went on my eyes, I washed it off, and now I see. And I think that that questioning, the other thing that I hear in that is our desire for a roadmap of how we get close to God, right? That it's not just about finding out what specifically happened to that man, but finding out how what happened to that man can inform our own relationship with God, how we can get the the healing that we need, how we can get the relationship that we need, how we can progress on our spiritual journey. And that we, our desire for that is so great that we want someone to be like, okay, if you do steps A, B, C, and D, then you're going to get the gold star, right? Like that's going to that's gonna give you the A plus relationship with God. You're going to experience healing, whatever that is. So they're asking for this clarity over and over again, not just out of a place of stubbornness or doubt, but also out of a place of desire for how do I get that too? How Maybe it's not that I physically need to be healed from blindness, but certainly I have some healing that I need. Certainly I want my connection with God to grow, my faith to deepen. And so how do I do that? And I think that we can take that same conversation that's happening right here in this piece of scripture and apply it to our everyday lives now. Um, I'm not saying that everyone should go out and spread mud on their eyes. Mm-hmm. But I am saying that we have this constant yearning for doing it right, for saying the right prayers, for how we pray, for how we practice our faith. And we do all of those things in an effort to have a spiritual connection with God, with the world around us. Um, and that sometimes it's very easy to get caught up in feeling like we aren't informed enough to do it on our own, that we can't connect on our own, um, that there's a right way and a wrong way to pray, mm-hmm. that there's a right way and a wrong way to be in church, that there's a right way and a wrong way for all of those things, right? And we all want to know the right way. What is the right way? And I think that we're called, just like you said in this, that the box gets busted open at some point. And at some point we realize that when we bust the box open, when we don't say that there's a right way and a wrong way, and that when we say, well, where did you see God this week? That we allow that opportunity for each person to reflect on their shared experience of God and that we're all richer for it. We're all richer for not proceeding exactly the same way and having identical experiences that we need to honor the millions of places that God has experienced every single day and the different variety of ways that we pray and are connected to God in our own right. Mm -hmm. We don't have to smear the mud, wipe it off and wash our eyes. Maybe that's the right answer for us, but maybe it's the, an equal experience being in church on Sunday, walking down the road with friends, taking your kids to play in the park, where you find that connection, where you experience God can be different for each of us. Mm -hmm with everybody okay so that was three points point number one was carrie's and it was about this story's uh highlighting the compassion uh of jesus in in how much jesus was care cared about individual people and individual people's suffering and how much of a emphasis jesus put on these kind of individual relationships with people for for the sake of healing Number two was mine, and it was uh, about suffering as well, and how God um, dwells in our suffering, and God is revealed in our suffering and our healing, and that we can know that uh, no matter where the suffering comes from, God is always God is there to respond. God responds to, to our suffering. And then number three was Charlotte's, and it was about our desire for 
for that healing and that it's not a one size fits all way of healing, but um, that it is about uh, continuing to um, seek out God and seek out that kind of healing to take on those practices that work for us and to continue to listen and share about experiences of suffering and healing in our lives and the lives of other people. So, uh, we commend to you these 41 verses from John's Gospel. If you'd like to read them again, they're in chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. See if you hear anything uh, or see anything or read it differently after hearing that conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any comments or questions or stories from your week of faith discussion, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website and check out all those faith to go resources, myfaith2go.org, and you can follow us on Instagram at faith2go. Thank you, Carrie. Thank, thank you. For Carrie. being here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Next week, again? Someday. Someday. Same time, same place. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> but we will be back next week in your feed for Lent 5. Uh, and until uh, until then, we all say goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye everyone. Everybody.